0: Improvisation trains us to jump and trust that we're gonna catch each other. We're gonna figure it out. And it, you know what? If we end up in a splat on the ground, like we, worst case scenario, we've learned something. Go out and fuck it up, man. Just try try and fail and try again. Like this is, we know it's, it's not gonna kill us to get embarrassed or so-called fail. It's just gonna teach us something.
1: Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I speak with influencers from all over the world who are contributing to the common good in all kinds of interesting ways. Contributing to the common good in even the smallest of ways is one of the scientifically proven ways we can age with vitality and deep contentment. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. And my goal is to share optimism about aging. And introduce you to guests who will inspire you to live with zest. And to find out more about my podcast, my web courses, and my book, Not Just Chatting How to Become a Master Podcast Interviewer. Hop on over to ZestfulAging.com, and while you're there, sign up for my weekly email newsletter, The Insider, where you will get behind-the-scenes looks at upcoming episodes and guests and other fun tidbits. Including pictures of my adorable and crazy puppy Frankie. And if you like the podcast, I'd be grateful if you shared it with your friends. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker. Find out more at judybanker.com. And our technical director is Steven Littweiler. So when you hear evidence based practices to build your wellness and well being, what do you think of? I'm guessing it's not Improv, but improvisation is having a moment. People are trying it and finding out it has tons of benefits for social and mental health. They are stepping out of their comfort zone, which is a key element to aging zestfully. Today we have the pleasure of speaking with Pam Victor, a professional improviser and the founder of Head of Happiness of Happier Valley Comedy. Pam's the co-author of Improvisation at the Speed of Life, the TJ and Dave book, and was awarded the New England Public Radio Arts and Humanities Award. She's also a TEDx speaker, and the title is Meet Your Inner Critic and Tell It to Pipe down where she addresses fear and negative nasty self-talk, I would recommend it wholeheartedly. I'm so excited to have you on the show, Pam. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. I am really um, thinking we're going to have such a wonderful conversation because like many of my interviews, this is a little bit off of the mainstream. I mean, some people are Uh, appreciative of what improv offers but it's still a little bit on maybe on the outskirts of uh, of sort of mainstream culture and I'm wondering uh, what the basic philosophies are of improv and
0: how do they help us in our everyday lives oh my gosh well, I don't even know where to start. There's, there's oh. so, Have you ever seen the movie My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Yes. That was actually made by uh, improvisers, people from Second City, Chicago. Well, the father in that, you know how he uses Windex to cure everything? Mm-hmm. That's what I think improv is. You tell me oh. your issue and I can tell you <laughs> how there's an improv philosophy that can help for you. It's basically how I, it's such a great blueprint for life. These capital oh. T, truths that you can go back to like how we approach the training to get up on stage and create comedy without a script. Those skills apply to everything. So as I'm running my business, as I'm navigating friendships, as I'm figuring out how to get older and use my authentic voice and speak up at meetings, there are lessons in improvisation that I can apply to that. Wow,
1: so, it's yeah. almost like a religion
0: without the bad stuff. <laughs> that is what a lot of people <laughs> feel, and and oftentimes, if you, when people you know get to that first improv class, and we believe at my company that everybody can improvise, uh, they you, people have that. Aha uh-huh. Moment, mm. you know, where we feel like the clouds part. Like I said in the TEDx talk, the clouds mm-hmm. part. And this is like, this is for you. So it's a great business model for me as someone who runs an improv training program because it's very addictive because mm. it's full of mindfulness, mm-hmm. being present, mm-hmm. listening, accepting each moment as it comes and mm-hmm. moving forward together with positivity. And in order to do all that, you have to quiet down the intro internal messengers... Of unhelpful judgment and fear, because or those, the itty
1: bitty shitty committee, the itty bitty shitty That's committee. That's the funniest yeah. thing I, <laughs> I saw. I, you know, I have a lot of names for this, as you know, because I'm a practicing clinician.
0: That's the most clever, brilliant thing I've heard. I can't even. I, I can't take credit. Some my friend of mine gave me that one. <laughs> all, I've been I've awesome. been calling it Cujo, the chorus of unhelpful judjos. Oh. And it's interesting. During the pandemic, I've sort of discovered that we have this chorus of fear, right, that, I mean, of judgments, the inner Mm. critic that tell Mm. us, you know, you're not good enough, somebody else should be doing that, you know, uh, you don't have what it takes, you know, all that imposter syndrome, caca. But then behind that is what, who I believe is the real puppet master, and that's the messenger of fear, Mm -hmm. the internal messenger of fear. Mm -hmm. And I call my little internal messenger of fear Pip. (laughs) Because <laughs> yeah, she's huge like a pipe bomb, but she's also tiny like a pipsqueak because so she, she's so scared of everything. And so mm. I would relate to her differently than I would relate to the, the itty-bitty shitty committee who could, mm. who could take a little more pushback, but it's not very helpful with Pip. Mm. But either way, those internal messages get in the way of accepting each moment as it's coming and moving forward with positivity and that's what improv is right we get up on stage we don't have a script and so we all we have is each other and so we really have to be mindfully focused on each moment as it comes and this is the moment that's happening yep I can't deny it. And that's Mm. what I call the spirit of yes and. It doesn't mean saying yes, but just accepting. Yes, Uh this moment's happening. I don't, I don't, I like it. I don't like it. You know, I'm getting older. Things aren't moving the same way. I had this little creak in my pinky and I don't know what that's (laughs) about. Right. My mother lives with me. She's 80 years old. I've got all that. You know, my marriage is, you know, in this next stage my kids are moving out of the house. Like mm-hmm. this is the moment that's happening, and, and i are know- not going to argue with reality. Exactly. I'll, we will try, <laughs> <laughs> right? Those inner critics—they'll have us try. We're—I mean, it takes a long time to get into acceptance. But just even recognizing that, oh, I say these are beliefs, not facts. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to get older or getting older is ugly or whatever. All these lies that this these internal messengers of unhelpful judgment and fear are telling us, those are beliefs. They are not facts, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. even just recognizing that and then once you recognizing it. Sort of swipe left on it. Like, those are not helpful. Tell them to pipe Mm -hmm. down Mm because I'm going to concentrate on the moment that's happening. Yep, I might have a little creak in my pinky or, like, I can't, I get up, I used to get up, be able to, like, roll around on stage. And now I don't want to do that because it's (laughs) not, I can get up, but it's. (laughs) Not pretty. It's not graceful. (laughs) It's not graceful at all. It used to be. I just pop right up. Yeah, now it takes a little planning. It does. It does. So it's like, I don't want the audience to have to pay to see that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So take me through the... The down and dirty nuts and bolts. So here, I'm going to come into your class. I'm going to be like, wow, I heard this is good for me. But
0: your therapist probably told you to take it is what I hear a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Or my spouse.
1: Yeah. Okay. So here I am. And then I'm on stage with somebody else who's also scared to death. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. You're and not going gonna... to be on stage in oh, your you first class. You won't be on okay.
0: stage. You're good, Like, and, and when I do professional or personal development, nobody's on stage. We're going to be in a circle. You'll mm. be in pairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, for my first four levels, we don't even use the stage. Mm-hmm. Because that just brings this whole host of other nonsense that we don't need to deal with. So mm-hmm. I'm going to make it really easy. I assume everybody's a terrified introvert. So, oh, wow. Yes, you will be sitting there awkwardly with a bunch of other people who are, most of whom also feel really nervous, like they want to run out the door. Yes, yes,
1: mm-hmm. yes. I can imagine that. And then you say,
0: what? I'd say, enjoy this awkward feeling of being in this room because uh it means some you're about to do something that's important to you and you're got, about to do something different outside your comfort zone and that's not something that adults get to do all the time you know we've we, we ask our kids to do this stuff all the time like go to this camp i know you don't know anybody <laughs> but i need uh, coverage for these two, See weeks, you so. two weeks exactly exactly uh, uh but we don't do that so much as adults so i i just recognize that like How cool is that, right, that you get to do something that makes your heart beat a little faster, maybe you make a little sweaty under the armpits, you're all alert, learning something new, a little bit scared, but in a safe way. Nobody's ever died in my Mm. first class or even gotten hurt. Mm -hmm. Uh, So cool, that feeling. And then I say, enjoy it because it's only going to last about the next five or 10 minutes we're oh. going to soon be laughing and cl- and collaborating together. Mm. So
1: and so then you give a an assignment or
0: I, yeah. Then we're going to do an interactive exercise of some sort, usually in pairs, where it seems really simple. You know I me. Mean, I have this one where you count to three. I'll say one. You say two. You say I say three, and you keep doing that over and over. And for some reason, it's really really hard. And we start to notice, like, what are the things that are making it challenging and how can we make it easier? And I always ask, my, my approach to improv is called the joy and ease of improv. So those are my two guideposts in life. So we'll do some exercises and I'll say, what brought you joy? Mm. What brought you mm. ease? Mm. What made you feel in the flow? Mm-hmm. And then we discover, like, so often the thing that stops us. And I say, what stopped you from having joy? What made you clenchy? Which is the opposite of easefulness, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, and
0: usually what makes us feel clenchy are these darn internal messengers of unhelpful judgment and fear. They're telling us stuff like you're about to make a fool of yourself mm-hmm. or you're not doing it right. right. There are no mistakes in improvisation. And that's one of the first lessons that these, imp- that these exercises that we get to do all together with laughter right that's the cool part about improvisation these you know are these provide us with tools to quiet down that inner critic that's getting in the way of our joy and ease
1: so this is fascinating to me because this is basically like a mental health you know, uh, I don't even know, like
0: nourishment. <laughs> yeah, most, <laughs> like of, a, you know, most of my students say it's cheaper than therapy. That's why they yeah, keep taking class.
1: How interesting. I mean, you're really having, introducing to them a whole new way of being in the world. Yeah.
0: Like I say, it's they. I say to them, I'm teaching improv. You know, when I'm doing an improv class or when I'm doing professional development, I'm just teaching communication. I'm teaching collaboration or innovation or resilience, or wellness and well-being. I'm not. I'm not, you know, your therapist. But then, at the end, class, class of the first session, I was like, Has anybody, by any chance, noticed any side effects to your improv in your life? And they're all like, y- Yes, you know. Uh.
1: Hi, everyone. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. So when you started, when you had the idea you wanted to do this as a profession, Mm -hmm. did you have in mind this is a
0: way to help people feel better and be more healthy? Uh, No, no, I was, I love improvisation. And I wanted to share improvisation. I'm also a teacher. Like, that's my first thing that I do. Mm -hmm. Uh, So teaching was always, you know, very interesting to me. And then the more works I've done on myself, you know, I did some courses uh, where you learn what your values and purpose in life are. And it, it turns out my value statement is, my purpose in life is to facilitate joy, connection, and growth, Mm. So improvisation mm. does that so beautifully. Like, it's such a rare thing because we get to be in real wholehearted connection, playful connection, mm-hmm. in person, eyeball to eyeball, laughing, which is something we just don't get to do enough.
1: Well, it's the opposite. I'm thinking of uh, scrolling, scrolling <laughs> through your, your phone, right, which yeah. you see people doing all the time. This is the absolute antidote to that. It's the
0: opposite of that. It's so interactive and collaborative. Yeah, it's it's the ultimate and intentional connection and community building. And that was the side effect to me doing the, what I call the, can I make a living doing what I love when I tr- gave myself a year to see if I could make a living in this thing, this improv thing uh, where I live in Western Massachusetts in the country you know it it turned out that i get to help so many people and we established this community that mm. was the side mm. effect now we have this beautiful commun- community of play loving pe- authentic people they they feel a place that is safe to come up with, can come to with their authentic weird ass selves like the <laughs> the weirder the better i love weird people i'm a weird person i love being weird <laughs> right that's so cool that that's why people are like oh i can't i can't do improv because i'm not funny i was like don't please god don't be funny i i hate when people try to be funny it really I is see. challenging because you're trying mm-hmm. right just be yourself and trust that that's enough and, and so and that's and what apparently, i end up doing yeah
1: you mm-hmm. well you won a, a this awesome award so you must
0: be doing something right I hope so. I don't know. I think they, I I was really foul in my acceptance speech. I swore at the NEPR or whatever. (laughs) So maybe they've regretted it, but who knows? (laughs) Plus, Uh when they called me, it was the Arts and Humanities Award, but for some reason I heard Humanitarian Award.
1: So when they called me
0: to say it, I was like, You gave me a Humanitarian Award? Oh my goodness. You just gave a Humanitarian Award to a total asshole. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) <laughs> I was just joking.
1: <laughs> well, I, you know, you make it clear that you're a nice person, and I work at being a nice person. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How has this changed your life? As you've been able to make a living, as you've written a book, as you've
0: grown this community, where do you find yourself? Yeah, it gave me a, a life, a professional life. So when i so i've my parent my kids are like uh what are they now something like 23 and 25 so um when my older daughter was in first grade she was just tanking at school she is not neurotypical she's neurodiverse you know she's just this quirky kid and st- She's super intelligent, and school was just killing her. So mm-hmm. I started imp- I started homeschooling them, you know, and mm-hmm. and developing community of homeschool other homeschoolers. Ah. And I did that for like ten years, no, something like that. So I was a stay at home mom for twenty years. Okay, because uh, I was home with the kids. Um, and so I started improvising when the kids were small, just to get out of the house and be me again. You know, just be me, not mommy. And so it it gave me like a reason to be. Basically, I just connected with it immediately. I got a, I created a um, a team, an improv team called the Hahas or the Haha Sisterhood we were called originally because I loved working improvising with women. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, like that was my thing. I went once a week we went to rehearsal and it was just Two hours of total fun, connection, joy. Freedom. It sounds
1: freedom. like freedom. So, yes. this is something you said I'd like to try improv. Is that kind of how it started yes. while you were homeschooling?
0: I was literally shopping with my three year old and like leaving the big Y, and there was one of those uh, sign ups at the door, uh, like hanging oh, on the bulletin wow. board, which had one of those flippy things on the bottom yeah, yeah. that said, Take an improv class. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I ripped it off and I signed up for class. And I was like, I don't. I'm just trying to get out of the house. <laughs> I just want to get out of the house. I don't care what I do. I'm just getting out of the house. Mama needs yeah. some time out of the house. Uh, but immediately, it was like, oh, this is my thing. And and then like I I I just had this internal push that I was really. I feel lucky that I listened to, to learn more. So Chicago is the heart of long-form improv, this kind of improv that I really, really love. And there was the Chicago Improv Festival, and I just wanted to go so badly. And they have the festival, and then they have the six-week intensive. Mm. And I just wanted to do it so, so badly. But my kids were little, and like really leaving to go to Chicago for six weeks? No way. Uh Nope, I don't get to do that. Um, But it just was like I was uh, bemoaning on Facebook, oh, they're registering for the uh, intensive. I have always wanted to go, but I can't go. And a friend of mine who I graduated Smith College with said, are you sure you can't go? And I, I looked at the dates, and they actually lined up with summer camp a bit. And my in-laws mm. came to visit, and I'm like, okay, so if my in-laws take a couple weeks, and they go to camp for a couple weeks, mm. and I started crying, because I was like, oh my gosh, I think I could do it. Um, mm. So I did, but but I would show up at, these, at the, that, or I showed up at my first time going to the Chicago Improv Festival, you know, for a weekend, I flew to Chicago, and... The internal messengers of unhelpful judgment and fear were telling me that I was a dilettante. That was the word that made me cry. Like, why are you doing this? Like, this is just, this is dumb. Why is some old mom coming to the improv festival? But like, thing, doors kept opening for me like when you're on the right path, right? It just, mm-hmm. doors kept opening, and I just was like, okay, I'll walk through them. Meaning what? Tell me about the doors. Oh my gosh, well, the first time I went to the, improv, the Chicago Improv Festival was before the intensive. Within a half hour of being there, and I was sick as a dog because I just like, from stress, I made myself sick. Mm-hmm. I met the director of the Chicago Improv Festival. He told me I was rock star gorgeous. So that was it. I was like, my weekend's done. I can leave now. <laughs> right? And so And so I met some, you know, and we developed a friendship, you know, and, and a professional relationship. I saw some improvisation that blew my mind. Uh, So I was instantly like learned more about improvisation. And I met people like everywhere I went, you know, I'd end up like flying home and I was sitting next to this improviser who I'd seen perform and struck up a conversation and a relationship with her that ended up leading to something else. You know, I wrote Mm -hmm. a blog series, which led to the book. So everything led to something else. Mm -hmm. Um, So, 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 so cool in that way that you sort of know, oh, I'm on the right path. So when I was like, but can I make a living at it? Which seemed highly unlikely. It's not, it's not some thing that most people get to do for, with improvisation. And so I just took a leap. And again, doors opened, you know, things happened. Now we have a the- a real theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had an opportunity to expand the theater, which was crazy pants during the pandemic to do. Mm-hmm. But it was like this next door space that was a bar became available. It was like a fully stocked bar. And we that's what was part of our vision. because I hired a I have a general manager and artistic director, Scott Braidman, and we work together and we're like, this is right next door. It's part of our vision. It creates more community. It also quadruples our monthly expenses. But we're jumping again, you know, that's the uh, Tina Fey, who's an improviser, a comedian, Mm -hmm. you know her as a comedian, Mm -hmm. I know her as an improviser. Uh, She said jump and then figure it out on the way down. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how we're going to make these expenses, especially in a pandemic, but improvisation trains us to jump and trust that we're going to catch each other. We're going to figure it out. And you know what? If we end up in a splat on the ground, like this space doesn't become feasible for us financially, worst case scenario, we've learned something. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Right? Mm -hmm. That's what I say in class. It's only a mistake if you don't learn something. Mm -hmm. There there are no Mm -hmm. mistakes. There are only opportunities to learn more in improvisation.
1: Just fascinating. Isn't it fun? It is. Yeah. I mean, I can see why
0: it translates to a life philosophy. Yeah. And the pandemic was the same thing. I mean, like coming into acceptance around that, we had been open in our theater. I've been doing this like since whatever, 2012 or something. But the theater had been open for 18 months, which is another big leap, right? Can I pay rent on this space and all Mm -hmm. that stuff? Uh, And then it closed. I lost... It's like losing a baby, you know, it was like just my dream. It was it was horrifying and, and it just, just just, devastating. And I was like, it's over. And I didn't want to do it online. It's super not fun to teach improvisation online. It's absolutely just drains my energy. So, th- but I, I, I'm, you know, I'm a smithy. I I don't stop. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to sit around and, I don't know, ba- the baking bread thing. Like, I, I wish I had, but I was just trying to keep my company afloat and figure out some way to generate income. And in the meantime, my official title is the Head of Happiness of Happier Valley Comedy in Massachusetts. And so I had been researching happiness just because it was interesting to me. Like, how do we build happiness? What makes happiness in a life? What brings you joy? And what is happiness? And what is happiness? (laughs) And how is it different than joy? Like, all of it is so fascinating. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: so I started to, like, collect these little habits from all the different sources that people could do in just minutes a day. And from there was created this whole other branch, which has now a whole other branch of the company, which I was able to teach remotely called the 30-Day Happiness Experiment, these small wellness and well-being habits Mm -hmm. that you know about already, most of them, like... uh, Gratitude and uh, being present and taking a walk in nature mm-hmm. and taking five good breaths and meditating and moving your body like all of those things, but you do them every day for 30 days and that makes it a habit. And once it's a habit, uh, and you've you- you got it for life, right? <laughs> I mean, one of them is like making your bed. I read about that mm, in my yes. research. That's that's a happiness habit that has been proven by evidence that it makes people feel happier, which well, was ridiculous, well, right?
1: <laughs> Will you talk a little bit about the the brain science too? I found that fascinating
0: of happiness. What do uh, you mean
1: when you were talking about also? I, I, I guess I'm backtracking with the improv mm-hmm. that. Uh, you mentioned some research in your TEDx about um, you can tell brain flow is uh, is is more uh, active when people are doing these kind of present
0: moment. Practices absolutely. I'm not going to pretend to be a scientist. I I I, impro- I uh, memorize some fancy shit for TEDx, but <laughs> uh, yeah, it, they have put improvisers in like those special MRI machines and mm-hmm. measured their brains and found like all sorts of cool stuff lights up because it's we're we're being creative, but mm-hmm. we're also using our intellect. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's, we're sort of crossing that midline meridian using both parts of our brains. We're reading uh, body language. We're reading facial expressions. We're there mm-hmm. in connection with human beings. And we're, you know, using our life experiences, which is why I love improvising with older people, right? With people my, my age. Uh, I'm 55. Because we can bring that to the stage. We've actually lived a life. So, yeah, that you could... It's good for your brain to improvise. Can you talk a little bit more about why it's
1: particularly helpful for middle-aged to older middle-aged women who are our primary audience listening uh, today?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you. I think it is because a lot of women, particularly who come to my classes, are like, they're ready to do something that scares them a little bit. Right. We're, we're coming out of our years of being, you know, well as a parent, you know, you're of service to other people. And then you're like, oh, what do I do for me? Mm-hmm. And how do I continue to grow? Right. You've had your job maybe for a couple decades and it's feeling stale. Like, what can I do to keep mm. keep? Zestful, actually. Keeping, yeah, keeping it fresh, <laughs> keeping it mm. fresh, and so they come to me, you know, to do that, and and I love. Uh, so we're allowed to swear. I I I think on your podcast is that mm-hmm. correct? It okay. sure is.
1: I'm the I'm the boss. You're the boss. I awesome. say yes.
0: Okay, I love <laughs> saying yes. Okay, great. So like I always felt as I approached fifty, I could feel like it was this beacon. And it was the no more fucks left to give beacon, you know. Mm-hmm. And the closer I got to it, the less I was at. I had to f- just sweat the small stuff. I still do stuff. Still, of course, it makes me upset. But now it's a practice, so I can recognize. Oh, I'm upset, and feel those feelings because I'm not talking about toxic positivity. You're not supposed. You don't have to push down the negative emotions. It's extremely oh. important to be with them and feel them. And then notice, though, when you're feeding them and when you're Mm. feeling them. And so can you move, you know, once you're done metabolizing the emotions, can we move forward together with positivity, with joy and ease? So I think that's something that uh, middle-aged people or older people really, really get from it. Uh, Because they get to do fun, something fun. They get to do something a little bit scary. Mm -hmm. They get to do Mm -hmm. stuff in connection Mm -hmm. with people. It could be a really isolating time. Um, They make new friends, which is hard to do as an adult. Mm -hmm. Uh, So now they Mm -hmm. can walk into our lounge next door, you know, our new bar, and be like, hi! You know, I Mm -hmm. greet everybody. I know everybody. Um, And now we have a place of belonging, which is another side Mm. effect that I didn't anticipate, which is so important. I'm so grateful.
1: Oh, it's... it's the gold.
0: It's huge, for, right? Yeah, for aging
1: yeah. well. I also am thinking about what it would be like to do this, and it seems to me like you may get to know yourself, in a way that maybe you didn't know yourself before, because it's spontane- spontaneity, right? It's not you're not saying I'll be right back. I'm going to write something <laughs> and rehearse it with you, and then and then you know uh, read it um, in the class. It's it, it seems to me that it's so flowing that things come out that are maybe un- unconscious, and you think. Wow, I didn't know that about myself.
0: Yeah, and you learn about how to deal with this these inner critics, this internal messenger of fear, which is getting in the way of a lot of really beneficial stuff all in all our lives, right? and, and recognizing like what's just a belief, what's a fact. So we get to it's like people say improvisation is like going to the gym for your soul. Mm. And we get to strengthen these super great skills. In the classroom, in connection with other people, in playful laughter, I had a student recently who said to me, "She's like, I, I signed up for an improv class. I didn't know how much I needed what you were teaching." Ah, oh, so yes, oh my she learned something about herself.
1: Yeah, it's funny because the people I know who do it, they talk about it like. <laughs> Well, you started like it's an addiction. It's like yeah. once you start, it's like I'm never not doing this. this totally. Is so and that's the way I feel, frankly, about podcast interviewing. I was talking to another interview, and I said it's basically crack. Right. I mean, you can't. You can't. You can't st- ever imagine not doing it because it's so fascinating and satisfying. So it yes. sounds like that's that that's
0: what it is for you. We're very I mean, annoying friends, we improvisers, because we want you to try it <laughs> too and come to our shows. Ah, and- uh, <laughs> to drink the Kool-Aid. Dr- join <laughs> us. The pool is great. You'll have so much fun.
1: Oh my <laughs> goodness. Uh, do you have a, a project on
0: the horizon, Pam? Anything um, next for you? Do I have a project on the horizon? My project is this lounge, our next door lounge, and to make that successful. My other project is to keep my company afloat in a pandemic that's going into its third year now, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't know if you know much about arts nonprofits, but mm. uh, it's been a challenge mm. um, in class, uh, having classes and shows right now. It's been really, really challenging. So every year, my business partner, Scott and I, we we set our goals, we set our intentions, what we want to manifest that year, because that's how I roll. And we're kind of like, we just want to go back to whatever the new mm. fun normal is. Yes. So oh honestly, that's kind of where I'm, I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. Um. But I'm still really working on, like, this wellness and well-being program that we do mostly remote and, on mm. you know, online. Uh, and I'm doing more professional development stuff online still so people could learn about communication, collaboration, team building, and innovation and resilience training, like, in connection, in a fun, interactive workshop. So I'm working on growing those. And, yeah, honestly, just getting back to normal mm, I really mm, can't wait to, to m- amen on that yeah I can't wait to improvise without a mask Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I know it's yeah.
1: it's really it's a rough. mess um, Pam where can people find out more about your programs and your company and
0: all of your great stuff Mm -hmm. happiervalley.com, because our company's called Happier Valley Comedy because the Western Mass, our nickname out here, is the Happy Valley. Mm -hmm. So we make the Happy Valley happier.
1: Oh, wow. (laughs) Wow. And it's already such a beautiful place. It is. Um, is. It's such a lovely place. So it, it has been an education, an absolute pleasure to talk to you, Pam. I'm so happy that uh, you uh, gave us your time and,
0: and, and told us all about, this is fantastic. Yeah, my pleasure, my pleasure. And I'll, I'll say to everybody out there, just like go out and fuck it up, man. Just try <laughs> try and fail and try again. Like this mm. is, we know it's it's not gonna kill us to get embarrassed or so-called fail. It's just gonna mm. teach us something.
1: That's great. And again, the TED TEDx Talk, Meet Your Inner Critic and Tell It to Pipe Down is brilliant. Highly oh, recommended. You. Pam, thank you so much and best of luck. Thank
0: you so much, Nicole. It's been great, great talking to you.
1: Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff.